The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. We got a lot to get into. We got a lot of baseball. We definitely have a lot of free agency to get into when it comes to the NBA. Uh, the waterworks basically kicked off this Sunday. And they came through flooding. The only thing we're really waiting for is what's Kawhi, the clog, going to end up doing. Is he going to go back home out west and choose one of those teams, or is he going to stay in Toronto and run it back and compete for another title, short and long-term deal? Also, we're going to be on 6 7 to score. Yep. Overnight. Tomorrow night. So Thursday, the 4th of July, going into that that Friday, rather, from 5 a.m. to... No, midnight to 5 a.m. Thank you. Midnight to 5 a.m. We will be sitting in for Les Grob seeing the Grobber, so you can get Dean Davis back on the score. So make sure you stay in, and definitely you can't stay up for all of that, but just peek in and, and join us a little bit and enjoy us. Yeah, anybody out there, truck drivers, you know what I'm saying, people third working overnight shift, third shift, yeah, tune us in. We definitely appreciate tune it. Tune in to us, I should say. I'm Kenneth Davis, and the voice you just heard, his name is... D. Demond Spurrow, what's going on, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D. and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D. and Davis Show. Facebook.com forward slash D. and Davis Show. You can hit us, uh, you download the podcast, download, subscribe, rate, share, all that good stuff. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app as well, YouTube, and War on Anchor. All right, that'll hit you up to Spotify. Hey, make sure you hit me up on Twitter, Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis, executive producer of D&Davis, Davis, the D&Davis Davis Show, and D&Davis Davis The Flip. One Mr. Brian Bukovetsky. Hit up Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Beeski. So listen, we definitely got some baseball to get into. We're going to do both sides of the town, but to help us with the south side, Brian Sandalo from the Sun-Times is going to join us. So we talk about Dylan Cease coming up and the Crosstown rivalry ending in a guaranteed rate or whatever you want to call it these days. I still call it Comiskey. That's pretty good. We got to give you some stuff locally with what's going on with some of the signings with the Chicago Bulls. So definitely, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, look... I mean, I don't know. I, I think we all knew that KD was gone for the most part. I was holding out hope that he would stay and go to state. Because the narrative has shifted. So, it, 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 like, his total narrative has shifted. What's, what's the narrative on him now, do you think? The narrative is that the cupcake, you can't call him a cupcake ever again. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, for someone who... Regardless, he's going to still be a great player. But listen, honestly, the chances of coming back exactly to the same form, let alone a year and a half later, I'm, I'm sure he'll be back in a year. But still, I'm just trying to get back to that height at the elite that he was in, uh, the one of the rarest players in the NBA, really ever in the NBA. To get back to that, it seems, I hate to say it, somewhat far-fetched. I'm still saying that he can be a great player. I always compared him to uh, George Gervin, Iceman. Mm-hmm. He was the he was the Iceman plus Two or 2.0 or 3.0. Now he just might just come down and be an Iceman. Listen, he's George Gervin was, was was one of the greatest scorers of all time. He's still going to be better than George Gervin. Um, okay. I always thought, and, and I, it's funny, today I've been thinking about I saw this article. I didn't read it, but it was about um, his one year at Texas. But it made me think about the first time I saw Kevin Durant. I've said it on the show in the past. I saw him in the McDonald's All-American game, and at the time I started calling him uh, Kevin Ducati. And I remember Kevin watching him. Ducati. I, because his name, Durant, it was that was a different name. <laughs> Wait a minute, you got you got name. Ducati from Durant? I just knew it was due. <laughs> so uh, I just, just that was one of the things I was just saying. This was before he started playing at Texas. Mm-hmm. So uh, and been watching him and I came like, what is this Tracy McGrady 
dude. Good comp at the time. Doing is what it was looking like. This dude is Tracy McGrady. He's damn near seven feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, was what I thought. And I mean, when I saw him, I was like, I ain't seen nothing like this. So for him to go out there uh, and put it all on the line, uh, and clearly, I'm sorry to what the doctor said, but inevitably, they, to hurt himself in a manner that could alter his career, I think it changes the narrative on any type of slight that you had in the past. Not saying you still can't point to it. You can still say, you know, my feelings are him going to Golden State was weak. And that's true. But when you see how much it meant to him to be a part of that team when it came to the end, when clearly he was going on his way out, but still, it's like, I'm leaving, but I'm going to do this for y'all. And I'm I'm, I'm, going to put my career on the line for y'all. And the worst outcome had taken place. I have to take my hat off to him. So I think the narrative changed. And I I thought it would have been easier for him to stay in Golden State because I felt like that community would have embraced him in a way they hadn't embraced him before. Because Mm -hmm. instead of them looking like he's glamoring on to their titles, even though he, he was the main reason they got those next two. Yeah. It still was an open heart to like, damn, he's really one of us because he did something that he didn't necessarily have to. He did something he shouldn't have done. He definitely did something he should not have uh, had, had to do. Um, but you know what, man? When teams start to winning and you win back-to-back championships and you go to the finals for five in a row for him, it was, it was three and three in a row. Mm-hmm. After a while, man, just as you as a hometown, that narrative changes. And now you are a part. You're you're like one of us. Listen, Dennis Rodman was one of the most hated uh, athletes in Chicago history. But eventually he was traded over here to the Chicago Bulls from the San Antonio Spurs for Will Purdue. Straight up, I believe. Oh, my goodness. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. You okay? My jeans tore. Oh, no. I know, man. Oh, I'm getting all this good history. Dennis Rodman and... Take that. My man's worm uh, pops out talking about, talk about the worm. Nah, not none of that. <laughs> none of that bitch. I'm talking about the worm. He's but, talking but, see, but there's a difference too. With, it, with for instance, with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I hated for the Bulls, but at that time with the with Jordan after he had come back for the short brief time and they lost to Orlando. Uh huh. They were still about refiguring this team, mm-hmm. and the crazy part was that he was on the outs. After just two years in San Antonio, yeah, he 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 didn't want no part of it, uh, that down there. Yeah, I think he wanted Robinson no part of it. part of him. True, he wasn't giving his all. He was giving he, a, that second year kind of guy hazy. Yeah, yeah, that first year though he was all in. Yeah, he was all in. He I mean, he's in. coming from yeah. Detroit and yeah. he's down in San Antonio. You know, yeah. Because I'm thinking he played one season with well both seasons with David Robinson, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, but, but it just wasn't working out. Yeah. So, but the thing is this: the Bulls were reloading to win. So they needed Dennis Rodman. Golden State was already in their championship window. The Bulls, technically, they were opening it back up, but Uh they were out of their championship window. Right. So it's easier to accept Rodman even with the hate because you knew he was coming in to reignite these championships. But but KD, some could say that, listen, if if Draymond doesn't get suspended, they probably win that second title. Yeah, possibly. You know, so now we always say you can flip the first one because if, if LeBron had help, he probably wins the first one. Kyrie and K-Love was out. Yes, but that second one is really, it, what took place is Draymond got suspended. And I mean, if he doesn't get suspended, they, they would have went back to back if the first one stayed the way it was. So even, and they had won 73 games. So adding one of the greatest players ever to a 73 win, is, it's just something about it that doesn't, it doesn't smell right. You know, and that's where I think that you can point at the detractors can point at uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, no, I think I think the um, 
the detractors, the 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 slight to Kevin Durant is now over. Now it's the question of did Brooklyn make the right choice? I know a lot of people have been getting on the New York Knicks as far as saying like, man, how could you how could you not want to talk to Kevin Durant? Now I know you came out on Twitter very uh, vehemently, Ken, and was saying like, listen, that's just PR spin. That's BS. It's all BS. It's all PR spin. But to look at it though, and I talked about this before. As soon as the injury went down, I think I threw it on our text line, our text chain, and I was saying like, man. I don't know if I would still give him the max. He's 31 right now. He'll be be 32 at the start of the season in 2020. All right. So, okay. All right. So after missing this upcoming season, season, he'll be 32 starting off. Right. So then you would have to have another full year barring any other injuries because usually when you have players, what happens, you have one injury that can lead to a next thing, leads to the next. Let's just say, with modern medicine, health regimen, diet, exercise, that doesn't happen, right? Okay, so now you're going into year 20, the 20, 20, the 2020, 2021 season, he's healthy, right? But he has to get back into form. So now when we're talking about getting back into form, now he's 33. The peak years for an NBA player is what, 27 till about 33? So now you're trying to see, okay, you don't have the you probably won't have the explosion like you used to not saying he always used it anyway but now you're constantly going up and down because now you're jumping because you're a jump shooter and you have to get your wind and you gotta get your wind and your legs back under you for the entire season that you just missed so you really won't know who he is until he's 33 years old do you want to give the max money to a guy like that now for yes yes now for brooklyn's sake I understand because you're the Brooklyn Nets. Most of the NBA would have given him. Yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, he is a once in a generational player mm-hmm. who's coming off an injury that, as I said before, with modern medicine, exercise, and diet, he should be able to come back. He can still shoot. And he can still shoot. I get that. But. What? Mm, I don't know if. I'm, How many people have re injured their Achilles? Because typically it's strong again, it's right? It's supposed to be stronger. But I it's think, supposed to be three times as strong. But I, I remember from the Dominique Lure of my child. Right. Now, but but this is the thing, though. He's coming out the peak years of his career. Now, if you just want to make the move and make the splash that he did, and now you and he, and he signed up to a young team with a young core and Kyrie Irving, who's still in his prime, then I, it makes sense for Brooklyn. But you have to kind of look at it like, I don't know. No, do I give a second thought about it? Come because he's coming no. because he's going to be on the tail end of his. Listen, that's Jay, if, if, even if it's true, it, that's that's actually the reason why Kevin Durant shouldn't go to Brooklyn because if we're told that Perry and Mills are really in charge mm-hmm. and Dolan just proved that they weren't. So even more, all this that they've been telling oh, us yeah. this last year and a half, that Dolan's not interfering anymore. Look, even with Phil, he he's still Phil, cutting the checks and kicking people Phil out. Of course him. he is. So, but but let me say this too as a caveat to help the Kevin Durant situation. Mm-hmm. One of the best things that could have happened to him is he blew his right Achilles. He's a right-handed player. Right. That means his takeoff leg is his left, left. leg. True. For instance, I blew out my ACL. I blew out my ACL on my left leg. So I lost lateral quickness. Mm-hmm. So my crossover, mind you, I was a football player, but I had a cross. My crossover was really never the same because that was the leg that I started to begin it on. So that with him, his takeoff leg is fine. So his first step could still be there. It's the next step 
that's going to be affected by it. So I can get you off to the first juke. The second one, no, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that kind of important? Because I, I could see a Dirk-like transition to his career where he comes mainly post-up and uses just that seven feet. And if you got that one step, yeah. that might just be the difference. Hey, listen, if you can, he's going to have to, any NBA player, any player of any kind of F, any kind of league, hmm. you have to change your game up, game up when you get older. Yep. It's just kind of like, okay, I don't have what I used to have in my prime years. Now I got to be able to beat you in my with my mind instead of my body. That's a given. I think it's a simple fact of it's the injury that probably scares some people. I'm no, I'm I'm sure Brooklyn has some worry. How could it scare the Knicks though? The Knicks. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, and don't bring up Amari Stoudemire I yeah, yeah. or Joe Kim Noah. They're nowhere near where he was. And at that point, right. too, Stoudemire couldn't get insurance from anybody. Do, have, was, did they learn And had been hurt. Did they learn a lesson? No. Because the lesson... <laughs> yeah, I agree. The lesson wasn't to do use that against KD. <laughs> the lesson they, was to use it against a lesser right. player. Again. That Joe Kim Noah right. burned us. And again. <laughs> oh. Honest, look, look at the trajectories. They look exactly the same. You know what we've been <laughs> Noah and KD... You know what we've been hearing a lot of? That, you know what? Uh, probably Achilles is the worst injury in basketball. And to a certain degree, true. But you know what may be still worse? Microfracture yeah, surgery. Yes. All yes. right. So, like, that that type of stuff is so degenerative. We're saying that your your Achilles may not work exceptionally well as it did before. Microfracture means, dude, your lift is going. The ache is there. The pain is like mm-hmm. it's debilitating, basically. Mm-hmm. So there, you brought in a guy that Phoenix, who had the best medical staff, was like, nah, we're not going to do it. And you brought in Joe. We laughed when you signed Joe Kim Noah. Oh, yeah. We were so happy he was going to get paid because Thibodeau used his ass up. Used him up. Used him all up. That used year he got defensive player of the year and was in, in top five in MVP voting. We were all like, Thibs, why are you doing this? You know he's dead now, basically. So that was just dumb signings. One by Phil Jackson. And then the other one, I guess Walsh made him in charge of, of, of them when he, when he took up, when uh, Amari Stott signed. But still, you can't use those two examples to say that an all-time great. Neither one of those players, as high as Amari Stoudemire had risen, and as much as I love Joe Kim Noah have never consistently touched where Kevin Durant was. Amar Stoudemire, his best, was never considered a top three NBA player. Maybe one year, but for the for the longevity of his career, no. Kevin Durant, since basically his third to fourth year in the league, has been looked at as being at least top five, a top five player, and can, and, and that's only risen throughout this amount of time. I think it's. I think everyone will agree that the Brooklyn Nets probably, obviously, had the best free agency. You landing Kevin Durant, you landing Kyrie, Ir- uh, landing Kyrie Irving, you're landing. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, who's friends with uh, KD, and I'm sure. Uh, listen, they took less money to make sure DeAndre got his money. So, but you're looking at a young team that finished about six in the in the East. You're not going to have KD, so you got to really see. Okay, where does this team go? Do they make any other changes when KD gets back? Is it still the exact same team? Do they kind of look at this team like, okay, this is the test, not test drive, but this is the test run of the uh, of the uh, of the season. Let's see what we need to tinker with. Okay, let's see how it works, and then when KD comes back, hopefully it's a it's a, a smooth transition. But them getting be able to sign both of them clearly the winners of it. I'm just very curious to see. If this is a team that can contend when everybody's healthy, definitely going to push a Philadelphia, 
definitely going to push a, a Milwaukee. They definitely should with these guys. Hopefully, K, uh, Kyrie doesn't go all full Kyrie and just alienates the locker room. It's a lot of different things you have to worry about with these signings. I think this team is fine mm-hmm. because it reminds me in a way of, and it's not exactly the same setup, but what the Bulls were before LeBron D-Wade and Chris Bosh formed the mm-hmm. big three. Mm-hmm. The Bulls on paper looked like the best opportunity for LeBron because you had an ascending Joe Kim Noah, who at that time we didn't know could be a defensive player of the year. You had a great young player in Derrick Rose, who at that time we didn't know could be an MVP. Yeah, you know, why not me? Yeah, you 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 had booze on that team. You had all if LeBron was on that team, they were ready to go. And even LeBron would tell you that was a prime team that he really thought about. But when you can get with all time graces, he did. That's what you have to do. When you're talking about the Nets team, you're talking about Jared Allen, who now doesn't even have to do exactly what he had to do before and be the single rim protector. Now he has DeAndre Jordan. So imagine that help defense from both of them on the other side. You have uh, uh, Karis LeVert a year after breaking his leg, who was seemingly like he was going to break into the All-Star last year, but D'Angelo, since he was gone, took advantage and, and, and landed there. You have former Bull, Spencer Dinwiddie, who now you know is relying, again, to be the backup, but can also be the guy, if you're low managing even Kyrie, to be like, get out there. You know, like, and then, again, all the players that I'm mentioning, we're also talking about these guys aren't guys that's like, I have to get mines all the time. They can actually kind of fall in place. But it's, you're right as far as still tinkering. Like, there will be tinkering. But the foundation has been set uh, from what they've done in the past, Mark's done in the past. Uh, this team, especially when you're talking about how they were just pillaged by the Celtics in the draft all these years, how they had to build it out. No, this is a sound organization. And the thing is, how you know it's sound, they looked at this organization and look at the Nets and also the world we live in. And since the Knicks haven't won in any of our lifetimes, if not even like further than that, it's easier compared to this is the Lakers and Clippers to be like, you know, we can overtake them. You know, like New Yorkers, after a certain amount of time, they always have their Knicks love. But this is hot over here and we're we're winning. Oh, yeah. Like you. When's the last time you guys have been to the finals? Right. Since Spree was there. That's the last time you were there. Like you guys want to, you want the finals in your backyard again, right? So, and it's something new. They, it's packaged well. All right. So this, and I'm gonna say like you can always supplant the Knicks, but also it also makes the Knicks have to work. Oh, listen. Now that as you've probably heard a thousand times, and not the only uh, team in the city, not the only game in town, you have a young, fresh team, a a owner. Uh, Asian owner, I believe. I can't think of his name right now, but he has connections. He's a, back a, he's yeah. he's connected to Alibaba. Yeah, yeah. He's, but he's he has a forty nine, but he has the option by twenty twenty one. It's going to happen because mm-hmm. it seems like he's already kind of running the team to have to have the um, the the whole percentage of the, the they'll have more than fifty percent ownership. And he has connections going back to China and USA, and all the NBA players want to try to get over there and and, and uh, get into that Chinese market. So that's pretty big. And listen, real quick, if you don't know Alibaba, yeah. it's Amazon, but they have lower overhead because they don't have warehouses. There you go. So you have that, and also too, I look at the Knicks the same way as I look at look at the Chicago Bulls in this sense. Losers. Well, that too. Yes, uh, we're <laughs> more recent winners. I put it like that. They could have put a nice Chicago spin to it, but they're banking on having to get someone in the draft because they look at the ownership. I think the general manager and the head coach. I think they have promised more than what the Chicago Bulls have, but it still has that cloud over. Kind of like, man, I don't know about the ownership. And Dolan is a big factor now. 
Um, I know some reports came out saying that KD was still very um, keen on going to the Knicks, but you have DeAndre Jordan who was there. DeAndre Jordan did not have a good feel for the team, did not have a good experience uh, when he was on the team. He's best friends with KD. I'm sure he went back and said, like, man, listen, bump them. You don't want to go there. You can still get the New York market because you have Brooklyn. So now the Knicks will have to fight against that. And what they're, and what they're now banking on, like Chicago Bulls, as I always say this, they're banking on the draft. They're banking on having to draft a superstar, which I guess they can't. I don't know what they did with Porzingis, but they traded him. They got nothing for him. And what what Chicago Bulls always do? Dr- uh, trade people and get nothing for them. Lou all dang, nothing. You hold on to people for too long, you get nothing back. So then they, they're kind of like in this window where they have to be able to draft someone, hope they draft a superstar and build from that. Same way the Bulls are kind of doing. Hope you draft a superstar, what they did with Derrick Rose, but he just got injured and that's the story on that. But draft a superstar and hope you build on that because you going to have a harder time now being able to say, hey, look at me. Michael Jordan used to work, used to uh, play for us. Hey, we're just Chicago Bulls. Hey, look at me. I'm New York Knicks. I'm the I'm the I'm at Madison Square Garden. People don't care about that no more. Players don't care about that no more. And they're in that uh, predicament right now. All right, coming back, we're going to continue the basketball discussion. Get a little less Nets KD centric. Talk about the NBA and particularly these Bulls up and down and our thoughts on some of the moves they've done this uh, free agency period. Dean Davis show. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're listening to the Dean Davis show. Yeah. D and Davis show. We are back. Hey, uh, NBA free agency is uh, has been hot and heavy. Mm. Hot, hot, hot. But uh, with the Bulls, I say it was kind of like was it lukewarm? Was it mild? It's one of those. It wasn't blazing. It wasn't a cold shower. It wasn't a cold shower. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, how am I going to get out of here and continue on with my life? No, it wasn't that. I say, if you want to put Were it, you sitting in the shower, or were you uh, standing up in the shower? I was standing up. Are the bulls, I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They don't have to sit down no more. They're not like, oh, I'm old, but I'm just bad. I got to sit down in my shower. No, I think they're standing up. I think they, I think they fine. So you had three signings. Luke Cornett, he's a backup big man that they picked up today. Yeah, Thaddeus Young, a guy I think that they probably wanted to get a while ago, but it finally was able to do it. Smells like a Doug Collins guy. Yeah, yeah. Played with him with the 76ers. Let me get that veteran, versatile you player. Because listen, now Thaddeus Young is the oldest player on the team, and he's 31 years old. All right? And then you picked up Thomas Sadoransky in the trade from uh, the Washington, I'm going to say, yeah, Washington what, what are, they're not the, the Wizards. Well, I'm thinking about I'm about to say bullets. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say nationals. <laughs> no. The Washington Wizards. Uh so you pick them up. So do I think they're bad signings? No, I don't. I think some uh Sadaransky should be able to back up at multiple positions. He's six seven. Uh he can play the one, the two, and the three. I think primarily he's probably gonna play between the one and the two. And you have Stadius Young who's gonna pay the power four position. He's gonna be coming off the bench. He's gonna give you that veteran presence. Now uh Robin Lopez is now a Milwaukee Buck up there with his brother Brooke. So uh, you lose that veteran presence right there in the locker room and on the. Okay. Yeah. Did, did, the, did the Lopez kind of throw you off? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, on a side note, Kelsey's sick. Oh man! And Shout out to Kelsey. Hope she get better. Yeah, afternoon was like Sunday. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep her away from you, which I found funny. And then later on, you, asked you, me you, to watch her. 
And she was like, you got to do all, you got the thing Thursday. You can't get sick. And I'm thinking like, clearly it's right, going right, to right, happen. Right, it's right, going right. to happen. She's my daughter and right. she's going to be all on me. And I'm not going to be like, get away from me. Like she's too young for the getaway. Right. Still. I mean, for that, like even with Kenton, until he's like four or five ish, we're more like, okay, hold up. You sick. Yeah. Right. Right. But like, I got a month. I got not even a month in countdown days to when my daughter's no longer two. Mm. So I'm enjoying And then when Enjoy. she's three Because when she is four She's basically an adult I mean as far as It's not a baby baby I still got another year with, But this is Like right now It's as grown as she come, has come along She's still technically two Which is like Ah oh, my baby's two Alright So I'm enjoying myself Yeah enjoy yourself Just don't get sick on us I'm a little I'm gonna be a little sick So what do you think about these bulls man? Um Sada who? Sada what? Thomas Sadarowski. Sadarowski. Uh, listen, I, it's a, from but what you hear around the league, it was a decent pickup. I think like I'll put it like this: it's average. Um, they, the players that, when you when you look at Young, that's decent. Um, I, I, it seems like he's a good locker room presence. And, I, and I, I guess this is the thing: if Taj was supposed to be the guy, because we were looking at someone who can still play. I mean, Taj really got a little bit of check from the Knicks. He got like ten million. I didn't know if Taj was going to get an a, a, uh, annual uh, AAV yeah. of ten million. This is a service announcement for any former Bulls. Go to New, New York. York. Oh, New you York go. loves Chicago. They like, do. I think. Who'd you play for? Chicago. Yeah. Oh, you're in another Metropolis. We got a big check for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably better. He's better athletically right now at this point of his career, uh, uh, Young is, than what Taj could be. And if he's that then I guess you probably got the better of the two. Uh, Sadaraski, to be honest with you, we'll kind of have to see how he works with this team. But as you just mentioned, he's a guy that can play off the ball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the moves are decent. They're not mind-blowing moves. Uh, Cornet, I don't know. Uh, I, I saw he shot threes at, he shot like a, a 60% clip, but he only, I think he averaged 30-something. So I'm not frantic about a, 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 a stretch five who necessarily can do that. But I, you also have to say this. And again, we're really in the muck muck because we're talking about who do they get. But I guess when you're looking offensively from their five position, this gives them a guy that can do something different from what necessarily have with just kind of defensive players. Yeah. So uh, when you're talking about uh, Wendell Carter, Felicia, I mean, I think it was decent. I think if you had twenty three million dollars and you still had your exception, they did a decent job. Um, I w- I could throw this at them though. You could have shook it up and really went after one guy and then use your excep- exception and saw what somebody else could do as far as coming into this team. But I guess the Bulls and John Paxton and Gar Foreman they still want to give a chance to the core players, and I'll include Kobe White because at least with Sadaransky, you're looking at him to be the starter and challenge for the starting position. But it seems like, one, he can play with Kobe White. They can both be off the ball. Uh, they can both play off the ball, rather. So it was decent. But I'm not going to throw bouquets on what the Bulls have done so far because the problem right now is we have to see it. Like, I'm, I'm going to stop giving the Bulls the benefit of the doubt because – Usually before the season starts, I give them the benefit of the doubt and they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Part of it's been through it due to injury, but still. So I think the Bulls brain trust made sound decisions. We'll see what takes place. Uh, looking at the stats coming off of last year, that is young average 12 points, 12.6 points, uh, 1.5 steals. Uh, he gives you that veteran position, as I said, as well. Thomas Sandoransky. 
uh, Santoransky uh, averaged 8.9, 8.9 points, one steal, uh, shot shot the three at 39.5%, free throws at 81.9. I think you got a lot of gains out of him because John Wall went down and he had to start. So Yeah, he had a triple-double. The one thing I like with Sadoransky from what I've heard from some scouting reports is his best strength is actually pushing the ball, which mm-hmm. is similar to Kobe White. So at least maybe that sets everything up for you that Sadoransky is your starter. He is that kind of push that they want. And Kobe White now has a blueprint to build off of and then see how can I be even right. better than this player? His numbers were sound. Oh, I think what was it? he started 54 games this year. Yep. Something around there. What was it, like 11, seven and maybe three or four or something like that. So you're, you're looking at a guy that's not glue. And All you right. said too, he can play the one or the two. So yeah. you can, he can play up to the three. Yeah, he can play up to the three. So, but this is the problem. Let's say this. Who's guarding the one? If he's starting, who's guarding the one? So, okay, so we're saying it's his job, depending on how fast these ones are right now in the NBA at 6'7", he's not a, necessarily a great athlete. But what's your, start, what's your starting five if he's starting at the one? He, well, I mean, the starting five they already have. Okay, well, so you just put him at okay, – yeah, so, no, so, so no done, just put Sanaransky in there. Okay, cool. All right, I just want to make sure. You know damn well – I just want to make sure. If I'm saying he's starting to done the guy coming out. <laughs> I just want to make sure. So you're just going to waste all this time. <laughs> You guys happy they brought back Archie Dinaco or? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Who cares? I mean, yeah. So uh, if he's starting, that that will be one of my issues on uh, on this team. Like, so are you going to use a, a bad defensive player in Zach Levine to guard these fast ones? Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of the thing that I. He's the most about. athletic to be able to do it. Yeah, but I mean, I would think Sadoransky is probably supposed to be that guy that does that. Mm. So, I mean, because think about it in Washington, did they have their best player in Bradley Beal playing mm-hmm. against the ones now? No, I'm sure it was Sadoransky's job. So we have to see how he holds up against these these quick point guards in the league where you can't touch them. That's the biggest concern I think I have going for the Bulls next year is the defense. Because it seems like they have just turnstile, turnstiles. The one guy who you hope has that promise to be a defensive stopper is going to be Wendell Carter. Otto can go out there and give you some defense as well, but we have to see exactly when Laurie is 100% healthy, what can he do? Zach has never been there. He has an athletic skill to be a defensive player, but we don't know. Is Kobe that That's guy? That's where his game yeah. has to evolve, right? Yeah. With Zach, because yeah. he's kind of shown the offensive side, and you feel, I think, pretty good overall. Maybe a little more efficiency that you hope from him but the next step is become that two-way player right yeah no I, I 100% agree now I, I know one thing I am confident about is the fact that they're going to be able to run with just about every anybody they're going to be, be they're going to be able to get up and down the court and should be able to score not going to say at will but they're going to score be able to score at a pretty good clip and that's where both the point guards now, you said before we got Sanaransky and you have Kobe White. So that's not that big of a problem. Uh, and maybe that is going to come out there and give you some type of defensive help off the bench. But that goes to my point. I think we was having this discussion earlier is the what what do you what do we see the Bulls record at least is going to be next season? And I'm saying, listen, they may be able to get to 35 wins. But with that, you have to have some some pretty good defense or an evolution to the defensive game for the Chicago Bulls. And that's the or one. you got to score a lot. Or you got to score a lot. This is like ABA ball when everybody's scoring 140 points. That, and that's they not got to be happen. like Houston a little bit this year because Houston was a good team defensively right. two years ago. But be it this year where you're just scoring like crazy. You have to be able to go out there and score at will. But remember, this is the NBA. Everybody can score. 
the 12th man on the bench can go somewhere and bust somebody's ass. You know why? Because it's in the NBA. So scoring at a high clip won't be able to do it. You got to go out there and be able to play on the defensive side of the ball. And that's my biggest concern. That's why I don't think you're going to see the Chicago Bulls even, I say, maybe get to the 10th or 11th seed, maybe the 10th seed out in the East. I got a question for both you guys. How good do you think the Bulls are offensively in the East? Where would they rank? Let me see if I can find this. Let me see if I can find this split from last year. I don't know because I'll say this. I think Washington was top six, maybe been six in pace last year. And going along with what D was saying about what I think you were saying, though, about pace and we know what Kobe White, what you want to do. That's going to be interesting because I think, and especially with Boylan, and I know he likes to play the fundamentals game and for people that didn't pay attention, the Bulls' offense did get better per, uh, during the season towards the end of the year. That they were one of the faster teams and the better scoring teams during the, the year. I think they're going to accentuate their assets, and I could put see them. I guess I could see them in the top seventeen because I want to put them higher. And this kind of goes to if we are having a conversation about the playoffs, where it'd be hard to place them because there are already teams that have better scores or more seasoned scores or their teams that have chemistry and they know where one, the players know where one another needs to be to get off and kind of how I need to lay back and let my dude do this right now. So maybe they can be close to somewhere around the 20 something. I would think, I think there's a chance they could be better, but again, I can't give the bulls props before I see it. Cause they don't deserve that. Uh, offensive rating. Uh, they was at uh, 104, 104 points defense, 113. So you want to see some type of evolution? Well, I mean, but where are they ranked at? Let me see. Um, I wonder if they flip that. If they were scoring 113, giving up 104, is that a blueprint to be in an eight seed or being in the playoff hunt, or is that not good enough? I don't think it's going to be good enough. I just don't. I don't think that's going to be able. Because, like I said, I mean, yeah, offensively, man, they'll be able to score or whatever. But man, they they are just going to get ran through like wet tissue. I just it's going to be it's going to be some nights just like damn the Bulls gave up 130 points again. That's going to happen, and you're not going to win. They might be able to score 115, 120 points, but they're going to be giving up 130 points. That's my biggest worry if I'm a Chicago Bull, and I wish. Maybe they would have went out there and grabbed somebody that was a little bit more defensive mind, but that's just me wishing upon a star, and that's not going to happen. So let's, let's see what Jim Boyle is able to do. Listen, they they really started to believe, or they, they they yeah, I can say that. They started to believe in him. And I think from last year, it was from start off running sprints and, and, you know, saying it was like going back to the bases. He, like, broke them down to build them back up. And we got to see if that's something they're going to be able to build build upon this team. Okay, offensively, you want to run everything you finally you 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 get you uh threw this the, the knife in the and uh fred horberg's back to get his team and you, and you got his team that's the team he wanted right now up and down and now you got it okay let's see if you can build on the defensive side of the ball and be able to um and t- to be able to get them to that point so we'll see i wonder too with their division man playing the bucks the pacers the pistons are even in their division they're playing against a lot of playoff teams in the east a lot they're going to really struggle, I think, potentially. Hold up. Archie Diniacchio's deal with the Bulls is three years. Three years, nine million. He in $3 million a year? Yeah. Oh, hell to the no. They must be getting rid of Chris Dunn, right? He can't keep that. Oh, wait a minute. That's point. what. Yeah, yo, yeah. That's already been it's out there. Chris Dunn. Yeah, Chris. I, I, he has started. I, I, did, I did see that. Who has started? 
Yeah. No, I didn't. So how are you going to say? Give, I said, give me, your, I said, give me your starting lineup. That's so all I said. Of course, we know if Sadoransky's here, whose job he's taking. So if Do I and not, I led with whoa, whoa. with Sadoransky starting. Okay, hey, think about this. If I lead with Sadoransky starting, your two is Zach. Your three is Otto. Four Laurie, and your five is definitely going to be Window. Right? Yeah, it's not even who, close. Who? I just wanted, to, I just wanted to hear it. It was, but it's common knowledge. I just wanted to hear it. I really like you. <laughs> you already paid Zach Levine is paid. All right, I just want to hear. It. Otto is paid. What's the name? Uh, Laurie is your supposed to be your future and Wendell Carter's. These are your starters. Do you guys the, know who the fourth highest paid bowl is right now? Felicia, probably. <laughs> They're going to have to be able to find some kind of way to get that money off the books and trade. Done. It's not a trade. That's going to if you Felicia's money. He has like two be, more years. Right? It's called a yeah, stretch, you're just counting the it's called paychecks. A stretch provision. Like that's what no one's trading for Felicio. I, I mean, listen, you gonna stick, you gonna attach a one to it? No one's taking. Can that he play for Greg Popovich again? No. <laughs> Greg Popovich would look at him like, I thought you went back to Brazil. Like, I sent your ass out of here the first You've time. Been you been back? in the league. Why, you, back for? why, you, why you back here? I sent no. you. I sent you away the first time. So no. No, listen. The the, uh, the central division is going to be. Well, you have Cleveland. I guess. Can we say that the Bulls are going to be better than Cleveland? Yes. Okay. All it's right. Not even a question. Not even a question. Cleveland so at one point during this year is going to start tanking again, even with the draft being so? weighted. Yes, I mean being less weighted, they're definitely trying to tank again. All right. So you have Cleveland and the Bulls, who at least I'm predicting. I think we can all probably predict they probably won't make the playoffs. But you still have Detroit. You got Milwaukee, and you have Indiana. And uh, and Indiana, who did they pick up? Oh, they uh, got Brogdon. 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 Man, but see the only problem I have and Victor, and getting Victor back too. But how is mm. Victor gonna come back? And will Victor stay healthy? Like people are just saying, like, but it's his first major injury though, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's a leg injury for a guy that speed is his premium asset. Mm-hmm. So that to me, just being, and I love Victor Oladipo, but just being like, he's gonna be fine. It's like, whoa. We got to slow down on yeah, that. Yeah, ask Derrick Rose. Yeah, so like when people are like, oh, yeah, when Victor comes back, this team's going to have the, one of the better defensive backcourts. So it's like, I, look, I get that point. I need to see Victor being back, though. And another team that had a, a nice offseason so far in Indiana. How yeah. good is that team if he does come back, though? And Man, Victor is still Victor. I thought good. they were a sleeper last year. And they would probably be better than what they were last year. And Miles Turner maybe took a step yeah. last year without Victor. Got that he got that bread now. And then you got Brogdon on the outside. They can do a nice kind of triangle. Right they there. finished in the fourth seed last year, and and Victor missed like what the last they didn't quarter finish in the fourth seed. That's why you owed me twenty dollars in that bet. <laughs> they did finish fourth, didn't they? No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. What did they finish? The fifth, fifth. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they finished fifth. They finished fifth in the uh, in the seedings. And that was with uh, Victor missing about a quarter of the season, right? Obviously not having for the playoffs. You figured he's going to be back at the top of the season. Yeah, can we say that? Probably at the top of the season. Maybe, maybe. What ha- month did that happen season. again? I would think 2020-ish, right around January. January? Yeah, okay. I was going to say right. December, but I mean, still, that's damn near the same thing. I yeah. would say December, Christmas time, probably, depending on if they get Yeah, Christmas I would think game. Christmas time at the earliest. Yeah. Let's see if they get him back in there, and that team could possibly be a top three seed. It could be. It can definitely be there. Man. It possibly. I don't know how Boston's going to look this year. See, what, did you see their projected starting lineup? Who Boston's? Yeah. What is with it? Gordon Hayward at the four? I, that's slow mo. Gordon probably needs to be Ugh. small ball four right now. Mm. Can he play what the was, four though? Can he st- play any other position? What was they starting five? I believe they had uh, Kemba, then Jalen, then Tatum, then uh, Hayward, and Cantor. Cantor was five. There would be no mm. D. 
No, not at all. There will be no date. They better score there. You know, <laughs> their took us is off. Well, uh, Kant so is your rim protector? Right. And who's his backup? Gordon Hayward. That's going to be sad. All right. So real quick, you asked about the stats with the Bulls with the points. They was 27th in the league last year in offensive scoring. Yeah, I never figured it was. 27th. And so, yeah, it. they could get to 20. I mean, they got to be dominant <laughs> if they're going to have any shot, right? Their offense has to be just dominant. It does. It has to be the best part of their offense. I mean, and, I mean, it, they got, if, you, if you have the defense, you look at Denver. They averaged 110 points a game. But defense, I mean, but Denver is like one of the better upcoming teams, you know? And that's a six-point difference. So, yeah, if you if you can up it, yeah, maybe get to 110. But where are you knocking everybody else down? Like I said, they gave up 113 points. Where's Kawhi going? Seems like the Lakers. I know. You I know can't what? believe it. Does that bother you all? Does it bother that he goes to the Lakers? Yes. yes. Okay, Ken, why? Well, I, I think Kawhi has earned the right to not have to do the heavy lifting all the time. So I'm, I'm not knocking him necessarily, but it would be cool, especially with the first year with the super team being dissolved, to have a wide open NBA. And like it, we can't it just from, like we just can't go a year without having a, a quote unquote super team. I mean, yeah, we've grown up and we had odds on favorites in both conferences to make it to the finals, let alone win the finals. But when you have a super team, there's really there's there's no way that they basically can lose unless they're just sniped out like Golden State was this year. So it would be cool because still uh, still LeBron and Anthony Davis alone is basically a super team and to see and then I also would like to see LA fill it out differently and that would be entertaining to see what Polinka could do um, so, and then the possibly East, Iguodala going there the, Iguodala's going to be there mm-hmm. like as soon as I as soon as they that when he ended up getting traded to Memphis because I'm like he's out he, he's not playing in Memphis he's not playing in Memphis no my first thought was oh Polinka he's going to the Lakers and this might be his last hurrah in the league too but, but this is another thing he clearly didn't go on the breakfast club MSNBC and around during his book run first take and all that being honest and telling what he felt that, that Golden State did improperly when it came to Durant's injury and even said that he felt the same pressure himself. He was he was trying to get out the door. Like so because he knows this after that, now that KD was gone and this pass it year, gap year that they, they're gonna have at Golden State, what was the point of him being there when he can't get re-signed because his contract was up next year? And what was the chance that they were gonna give him a, a decent check? So now he's like, you know he what? He can't stay healthy. Let me look, let me get out of here, get this money, because Memphis is gonna have to do a, a buyout with him. Yep. All right. So he's gonna get a little bit of money from there. Let me get with a team that can win and I can see if I can get me a little two-year deal or something like that. And then, dude, he would be phenomenal on the Lakers. Like if you're talking about mm-hmm. Braun, you ain't gotta worry about sticking him. I Iggy, got him. Yeah. Iggy has him. All right, we know he can hit an open shot. And like LeBron could just save all his energy for offense. He doesn't Ooh. need and look, Iggy doesn't need the ball on O. Iggy, but on top of that, Iggy's a very smart IQ, basketball IQ player. So he would like that's that's the vet. Like that's actually the vet we didn't think that Lakers team was gonna be able to pick up. The guy that's now they're not the same, but that Ray Allen on the Heat team. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't think they were gonna be able to acquire one of those guys that championships teams need. So uh, again, though, to the the Kawhi part, I just don't want to see the Lakers do it. And I also like the East would be actually stronger with Kawhi being in Toronto. It's, a, it's it would be good to see a, a off season where most of the players usually go west. Players went east or stayed in the East. Yeah, um, Ryan? I love 
Kawhi staying with Toronto based on a lot of things that Ken said, the wide open NBA. But think about the teams that would be good. The Lakers, with all that cash, would try to go sign a couple guys. Who do they have? Well, Iguodala and maybe a couple other guys. That Danny roster Green's looks, still out there. Right. Yeah. That yeah. roster looks really solid. You've got uh, Houston's is still going to challenge. Golden State, if they get Clay Thompson back, is going to be challenging. you got Toronto, Milwaukee. Potentially some of these Eastern Conference sleeper teams, whether it's Boston or Indiana, mm-hmm. maybe Philadelphia takes that step forward because mm-hmm. they got Al Horford and a really deep team. Josh Richardson and that trade back from Miami. Uh, you, it's hard to look at the NBA saying, oh, that team is definitely the favorite. Maybe the Lakers, if LeBron is LeBron James, best player in the league type LeBron. Mm-hmm. But if Kawhi goes there, then it's just like the Lakers. That's it. I mean, what could yeah, you what do? Can you do? Yeah. Only thing that can happen is injury. Right. And I think part of the reason why Kawhi wants to go there, I heard this earlier, and I think it's a great point, because he played 23 less games in Toronto. They went 17-5. and five. That was a big reason why they were the number one seed and helped them all the way through the playoffs. Do you go to a team like the Lakers where you know, I can take 20 games off and we'll be okay, versus a team like the Clippers, you take 20 games off in the West, are you going 17-5? and five? In that span. Well, I think at least with the Clippers, they have the infrastructure and the team there to be able to sustain it. Maybe you won't go 17 in that clip. Do they even have a shot at him now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I think L.A. is still I think the Clippers are still there. No, they don't. No, y'all really got he's got to go with somebody. All right. Well, so y'all just think. Y'all think it's a done deal? It's L.A. or Toronto. That's it. I want him to Lakers. I want him to be a Clipper. If he had to leave, I would want him to be a clip. I want to see, I want to actually see the Clippers actually once be legit. I want to see the the Clippers be the Nets to the Knicks yeah, right now. Yeah, but the, and it's possibly they. But the thing is, wait, they can't be that because the not Knicks, anymore. But the Knicks have no one though. Right. They got you mean they got a top three. They got two top three players in the Lakers, and also that they still have all the equity they built up from all the championships. Right. The Knicks haven't been good since the seventies. But you're saying like this far as just taking over the city, being that being that being second the, team, the top team in the could, city. They couldn't not anymore. I mean, but even I mean, yeah. Once, but to be honest with you, with LeBron there, it's hard. It would have been hard for them to supplant one of the greatest players ever and really still the biggest player in the NBA biggest player in sports perhaps I don't know you know what I think he he, I think Kawhi Leonard has definitely earned the right to do whatever he wants to do he's won championships in two in two uh, places one in the west one in the east he's he was a lead dog on both of those championship teams he has earned the right to do whatever he wants that's very very take away earning the right but what would you what do you it's what you think would be down oh no listen I've been saying it from the jump I think he should stay in Toronto I I love the city of Toronto, I think that his I think is good for the uh, competitive balance when it comes to the NBA. Uh, I do say if he does lead Toronto and goes west, I think the East is wide open. Even with him there, it's still kind of open because you see the other teams making that jump. And as I said before to you, Ryan, earlier, listen, the only reason why Philadelphia didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals is because of, of three three bounces on the hoop and a, and a final shot in a game seven from Kawhi Leonard. So it's not as if they was like light years ahead of everybody. That team is still competitive. Yes, it's, they're still competitive. They're, they're the reigning NBA champions. But everyone, it was a few teams that were still pretty close to them. Yes, if he goes out to Los Angeles, he goes to the Lakers. It's it's a it's a it's almost kind of like okay, give them a championship right there, barring injury, as Ken just said. Speaking of the Lakers, and, and it's a decent signing they just made. They brought in Jared Dudley. 
Yeah, I saw that. That's a that, that for a team like another this, veteran, another veteran move. defender out, can yeah, shoot. Yeah. Trying to fill a heady basketball player, ballsy, and that makes passionate. That make, yeah, definitely that that makes sense when you have a two headed monster in the sense of a, a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis. Okay, now guys. The way it kind of used to be back in the day when we was growing up watching basketball, you had your two guys, you had your duos. Oh man, who had the best duo? Whatever position, who had the best duo? And you go out there and you fill the roster in. You don't have these three-headed monsters. Uh, it's possibly going to happen with um, with Kawhi possibly going to the Lakers, which I I'm not going to say it happened. It's not going to happen. I think he's going to stay in Toronto. I hope so. Because I would li- it, I would like it I if he stayed in Toronto. Toronto. There there you go. You only have duos across the league. Yeah. Who's that trio that you're really afraid of? Also, too, it's easier for him to get back to the finals in the East than it is in the West. I think the West. You look at Utah. You look at Denver. You look at Houston. Not saying these teams going to win it. You look at Houston. You look Portland, at Portland. They get that center back, let's, maybe. Let's see how the the match, uh, the uh, how mature White that side take, turns the corner. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how mature and how what's the growth of Sacramento. You have that young team coming up. You have a lot of. You still have the Clippers. Obviously, you have the Lakers. It's, well, if he goes there, yeah. But uh, you have the Clippers. You have a lot of teams. You have to go through in the West. In the East is really four. Who's the favorite in the East if he goes to the Lakers? I'm still going to say Philadelphia. I, I think uh, it's Philly. I think what? it's Philly. I'm going to go. I'm with you kind of on Philly. I'm going to go Milwaukee. But they uh, the Brogdon loss kind of kills it for me with Milwaukee. What? Is Middleton that superstar that's going to be next to right. Giannis? They if, don't have a duo. If Giannis has a jump shot, I'm back on Milwaukee. Wait, real quick. But. Well, you got some. I, I just, I just think you need that duo. I think up in Milwaukee, you have that one bona fide star. I don't know if Chris Middleton is worth a hundred. And he lose Miritich too. They lost a lot of shooting. Who's now the highest Euro. grossing? He's the highest paid Euro player of all time. I mean, yeah. Like they got to replace some of the shooting, and who's it with? Yeah, is Dante Divincenzo coming to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they brought in Wesley Matthews. <clears throat> they did. They did. So again, old and busted Wesley Matthews. But uh, but this is the thing. Third too. team in like four years. Or something. Brockton was hurt a lot of last season. He was. All right, you're, you're sitting there to see what you got and Bledsoe. That's the key Brock's, point. What, what do you get out of Bledsoe? Yeah, but it, it's another year for Bledsoe to be in Mike, Mike Budenholzer's system. I think that looking at what Milwaukee is doing. That there's a chance that that team could grow because this is the thing when it comes to the Sixers, they don't have a closer, and then you're asking you basically and I, when they made the trade, I said when they brought in Tobias Harris after bringing in Jimmy Butler, they're looking at keeping uh, Tobias Harris over Jimmy yeah, Butler. Yeah. But the thing is, Tobias Harris has never been as great or as very good as Jimmy Butler. He doesn't make those Jimmy shots. Things. Now, he can spread the floor. I'll, I'll give you that. And you have Josh Richardson in the deal that you got from Miami. Mm-hmm. But you don't have a closer. And so, one, you got Ben Simmons, who I think will be better this year. But you you damn near had to keep the ball out of his hands at the end of the game. You don't have Jimmy to do Jimmy stuff. And then you got Embiid, who he's a center. So, one, he needs someone to get him the ball before he does, him, does his thing. But, Where now when we go to Milwaukee, and again, we know this. You think Greek Freak ain't coming back better? Well, let's hope so. It ain't, it's, but it's his so. track record proves every year he's he gets improved. better. Yes. All right. So clearly, it's the, it's the depth of what Philadelphia added and what they have. But what about what they lost? 
Now I like the losing Horford. JJ was, was I like yeah, the Horford pickups, pick and the Horford pickup helps tremendously against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. But still, Defense. but then I'm still looking at we have we still have an ascending MVP. Like this isn't the top of Giannis if he doesn't get hurt. Who's a better defensive team, Philadelphia or Milwaukee? Ooh, I'm saying right now. I'm saying Philadelphia. Everybody out there healthy, healthy. Philadelphia Man. is yeah. a damn good it defensive maybe, team. Maybe. It's pretty close. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you that you've got the ascending player Giannis, and if he gets a jump shot, I mean, that's that changes everything. It that does. changes it does. everything. But if you get the same player where he's limited on the perimeter with his shooting, but he's still that force in the lane, that's going to play in the regular season, just like James Harden's 30 a game plays in the regular season. Then it comes playoff time, and I wonder now with all the playmakers, the extra playmakers mm. that Philly has, are they going to almost like Boston a little bit before Kyrie when they had a bunch of guys that can handle the ball and do different things and if Brett Brown can put him in the position. But you don't have nobody has, on that team that's going to blow it up like Kyrie. Has Brett Brown ever... And B can wait, blow it has up. It, has Brett Brown ever oh. put them in the position? Yeah. yeah. Like they he, was, remember, I keep saying yeah, this. I mean, they were, they a, bounce were away. a bounce away from the Eastern Conference Finals. They could have... They wanted Milwaukee. Okay, so Let's revisit that part. Who was the first or second best player on Philadelphia when I was taking place? You want to say Jimmy? Yeah. No, you, you, no it is yeah, it's Jimmy. Jimmy. It's Jimmy. All right. Because even if Kawhi was giving him some, Jimmy was giving Kawhi some. That guy is gone. Yeah, but Jimmy's such a loser. Nah, really. <laughs> like, I think he is. I don't think. I mean, now, if you're telling me that he can be a problem, I can agree with you on that. But I think, and that's not to say that Jimmy, because we'd be like, well, Jimmy don't really want to win because he went to Miami. Jimmy can still want to shine and mm-hmm. win. But to say that he's a loser, I can't say that. Yeah, I wouldn't call him a loser. I mean, because uh, you can't say how. So how can be? How can he be a loser when when he was supposed to be the reason that team fell apart? And then towards the end of the year, him and Embiid was bosom buddies. And then... Through the clutch, he was the guy at the end of the games that was carrying them in the playoffs. Look, I don't have specific examples of how Jimmy Butler's a loser besides the Bulls one when the Cavs lost Kyrie and Kevin Love and they still couldn't beat that team even though they were up, what, three games to two? Three games to one? Something like that? Or had a chance to go up three games to one? Three games Super Brown? That was Super Brown. That was the last Super Brown, Brian. Man, they quit in that second half and Jimmy Butler was a part of that team. I'm not I'm not denying that, but that's also young Jimmy. But that's what I'm saying. Everywhere he's gone, mm-hmm. his team has always somehow fallen short except for maybe last year with Philly. No, you can't put that on him. Minnesota is a cra- Like, Minnesota? That Wiggins? was bad. But I'm saying you got Wiggins, you got Cat being both of them being immature. Now, I'm not going to say Jimmy didn't add to it, but you can't put that. But that's what I'm saying. He was a part on of him. It. It's not all on him, yeah. but that's a part of the story. But then dysfunction with the Bulls, dysfunction with the Timberwolves. Not then dysfunction. He goes, right. No dysfunction in Philly. Yeah. Because he has somebody still, who pushed against him. But still couldn't get the job done. But that's not on him. I know. And there's limitations to who he is. But that's why I don't know if but Jimmy. But that doesn't make you a loser, Ryan. That's a difference. What you, the, I'm, a, I'm more. I'm being more critical on Jimmy because I have a bias against mm-hmm. Jimmy. I'll admit that. Clearly. But I think he's a loser. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Enough basketball talk. Maybe gonna get back in some more. I don't know. We got up for grabs coming up next with Ryan Bukovsky, Dean Davis Show. What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis Show, and you know what time it is? It's time to bring in the man, the myth, the EP. Ryan Bukabeski up for grabs. What you got for us, Ryan? I need to bring in the greatest Knicks fan I know, Stephen A. Smith. 
Look at, look at the look on his face. Steven. <laughs> I'm supposed to ask you if this is something, nothing, or everything. I can tell by your face. It's not nothing. <laughs> you know, um, I can't even put into words my level of disgust. Well, we all know that uh, free agency is really the talk of the sports world right now in the NBA. So let's start there. What has been the biggest surprise to you thus far in this free agency? Mm, that's a good difficult one. Difficult one. The biggest surprise, surprise to it, you is okay. So it doesn't have to be a good surprise or a bad surprise. It could be anything or not. Whatever uh, is on the D and Ken Richter scale when it comes to the NBA free agency. I kind of have two. One is the continuation of the dude who once said, "All I want to do is win championships," but now he's a Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler. That maybe he would stick in Philadelphia, but once again, he just wants to be by his damn self because Miami ain't winning Jack, you know what? So I thought maybe Jimmy finally got it. He got a taste of probably going to the Eastern Conference Finals. He got a taste of being on a young team that's up and coming. They almost made it. The only only reason why Philadelphia didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Final is because of uh, uh, three bounces in the drop from Kawhi Leonard. So I really thought, like, okay, Jimmy, you found a place. You came in there, you wrecked shop, you got everybody, you know, you got your dogs with you. You know, um, Joel Embiid is going to be out there. He going to be, you know what I'm saying, he ready to ride. Ben Simmons, yeah, we know he can't shoot, but he's ready to go. I thought maybe he would have done something. But, man, I'm a foolish to thinking he was... He would have changed. I thought Jimmy was going. It was a good chance Jimmy was going Jimmy, and I, I've always thought I thought he he could go out to L.A., but I always looked at Jimmy, and I always thought of perhaps if the Knicks wanted him, the Heat slightly in my mind because I still remember always thinking, even when people were saying he was going to stay with uh, the 76ers. And Stephen A. Smith reported that he fits the city, but still in pecking, yeah. in pecking order, he would have been third. I felt that Jimmy really didn't want to settle for that. And we don't know if Jimmy really settled because Philadelphia didn't. I don't think they offered him that five. And I don't know if they gave him the max of the four-year deal that they could have given him. So it was about money. Yeah, so it could have been about money. Which I ain't mad at you. Yeah, it could have definitely been about money. And then I think if it ended up being about money, well, yeah, I could stay here for less money, even though this is my last big deal. But on top of that, I can go somewhere and be my own lord. And it's an organization that can figure it out. Now, I mean, before the problem with, with, with Miami is they didn't have a star to attract perhaps other stars. They had a, a decent roster. But is you're Jimmy going to be attracting stars? There's now? a chance I think that Jimmy could attract another star. Especially, I'll put it like this. Let Jimmy go down there this season mm -hmm. and let him make some noise in the playoffs and, and let it be Jimmy's show. But let Jimmy then realize, I need help here. And that's when the organization and Pat Riley proved to Jimmy why it was a good choice of him choosing them. Because now that we have a piece, because they haven't had a piece since the big three. Now that we have a piece, it'll be easier for us to go about trying to get other uh, other uh, greats or very good players to come there because they couldn't see the future just being the first person to jump in. I just see the Miami Heat just being that team that's going to get to the second round and get knocked out. And I don't see Jimmy as a dude that's able to acquire great talent because he hasn't won anything. That's the biggest thing. You can acquire talent. If you've already won, and then it's like, oh, or or you're a unicorn. I think possibly, maybe, 
if if Giannis was like, hey, I want to try to go out there and and try to grab a free agent that might be out there on the free agency, uh, doesn't know doesn't have a team just yet. Maybe he could bring somebody bring somebody to Milwaukee. Maybe that's a strong maybe. But I don't see Jimmy like that. It's Miami though, because this is the problem with what you just said. Giannis is trying to recruit someone, to even Milwaukee. though he's greater to Milwaukee. Yeah. Jimmy's trying to recruit you to Miami, and there's no tax. Also, too, he's still Pat Riley's down there. Yeah. So again, all you need, and then it may not even be like a, a, a bona fide star. It could be two good players. Mm-hmm. And let's be gritty and run it. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, we haven't seen it, but you've been seen, you haven't seen it really, or we haven't given it as props. You still have one of the better coaches in their exposure in the NBA. True, true. Now, my second one, real quick, it was D'Angelo Russell getting traded to uh, Golden State. That was mine. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I said the Bulls should go after D'Angelo Russell. Yep, yeah. And, but with Cody, with, with the draft of Cody, and he's picking up other guys. Again, part of the reason that I free, said it. Play free uh, point guard. No, it's even more of the reason why I said it for what we've been hearing about Golden State. I said it because it gives the Bulls a bona fide player and contract outside of Levine that if you want to trade for a star, you have more appealing assets to offer a team. So think about it, if I'm like, look, I'll give you uh, D'Angelo and Wendell Carter. Or, and again, whatever I take away, if D'Angelo's here, you still have offense. So if I end up trading Zach, if I end up trading D'Angelo, you still would be like, all right, we still have some scoring to go along with the, the asset that we acquire. Right. And that's what Golden State is allegedly doing. They're using him as a holding pattern so that, because a lot of the people have basically said, Brian Renhorse has come out and said he doesn't believe he would have been maxed out. I think he would have gotten close, but yeah, he, he would have been maxed close. out. Yeah, yeah. But, but they, again, that contract isn't the most difficult, but they have him now, and when they want to trade, for try to get some assets, yeah, another team would get a, 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 a ball handler that can shoot and bring them to their team instead of being like Cleveland with uh, with with LeBron leaving and having nothing. Also, too, I'm very curious to see what Steph looks like off the ball primar- primarily. You're gonna have it now. The defense in the backcourt is not going to be there, especially since Clay is probably going to get moved to a three. But I'm very curious to see what Golden State does. So that was definitely a surprise to me, Ryan. I think those are two really good ones, Jimmy and D'Angelo Russell. I would have probably picked those two. So I'm going to go a little bit different and maybe expand the, modify my answer a little. I'm going to go with the New York Knicks because I really thought they were going to get Zion or KD or somebody. They it just felt like the they were primed to get somebody. Well, I wait, didn't. Up until how Nothing. long did you still think they were getting somebody? Like Nothing. before I mean, free agency, you still thought KD was going there? I thought that there was still a chance they'd get somebody. I didn't. It was clear once Kyrie was going to Brooklyn, Either Katie was staying, even though people like Katie's is going to be his own person. Now, he was either going to go with Kyrie or he was going to stay in Jordan uh, State. State. Once the Kyrie decided that that was the place, especially with an injury. Now, perhaps if he wasn't hurt and he could say, well, this year I can get there, we can start figuring things out. But as we've been talking about, we talked about at the beginning of the show, that's a year out of your life. Also, figuring out how you're going to be when you come back. Why not go to a more, much more established organization than James Dolan and his muggery? It's called. His well, name, there's a his few name things. Is James Dolan, Ryan. With those Knicks, I want to just point out. I thought when they straight away Porzingis that it was going to potentially mean something in their cash dump, that they would have plan A, B, C, and D in their free agency because that's what they were banking on now. They're not banking on young players other than their third pick in the draft. And then on top of that, I thought that they would at least figure out some kind of semblance of a plan. And uh, 
we see how Miami is attracting free agents, the Lakers, some of these warm weather places. You're waiting for a Chicago, New York, somebody to break through and be a hub. Even Boston used to be a hub, and now it's looking like a free agent dead zone. So I wonder if somebody was going to break that, and I thought the Knicks might. But of course, the Knicks are just going to nick, right? Yep, there you go. We fun guy. We're tomorrow. Fun guy, what's up, baby? What it do, baby? Yeah, yo, what do you know? Let's go to my second question. How about what team has had the best offseason to this point? Outside of the Nets, I'm sorry. Okay, outside of the Nets. I like Philadelphia. Utah. Go ahead. What's your case with Utah? Uh, That is a good one. You look at uh, the fact that they have Connolly, they have Bojan. Now, um, look, we just said that Green signed there, and he's on a Mm -hmm. light deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at what they had before was – Rubio, who has improved his offense, but still isn't a really good offensive guy. You have much, you have a lot more offense. All right, you, Bojan can get to the lane a little bit, and he can shoot from outside. And for a team that's a very good defensive team, now they can keep up with with most majority mm-hmm. of the teams. So that to me, I, I think Utah to be a, that they know they're not a destination. For them to make that move, those moves, I think, were, were really good. And Quinn Snyder has a lot of weapons now to use that he didn't have in the past. Utah has definitely improved. But I'm going to say Philadelphia because we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. He might stay in Toronto and then they'll still be the clear favorite. If he leaves, I think Philadelphia definitely move up to that top because with Milwaukee, I think they've kind of like, I'm not going to say they regressed a little bit, but... I still think my biggest what would be my biggest worry for Milwaukee is being able to get someone up there because they need I think another bona fide star next to uh, Giannis so but you look at Philadelphia Elton Brand has done a great job you go ahead and lock up your future with Ben Simmons you uh, get uh, Elton Brand you sign uh, Harris yes they do lose uh, JJ Redick Redick, uh, but that team I feel is is built now if everybody stays healthy instead especially in b also too they got horford right i think i said that but you have horford now so if you're able to keep that team healthy and they're young and you have now that professional guy with horford just in case if b goes down or you can kind of play them together as well i really like what philadelphia has done I'm going to go with the team that uh, picked up Zion Williamson, actually. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm surprised at how quickly they've acquired so much talent. Mm -hmm. When you really nail a trade like that Anthony Davis, we don't know how good they're going to be, but it seems like there's pieces around Zion if he becomes that true star that they're hoping that he becomes. And signing a J.J. Redick and some of the other free agents that they got, they've got a squad that can really uh, at least be a, a tough team to beat and a team that maybe can challenge for a spot. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be a playoff team just yet, but the potential Probably is not, there. But they could be a ninth seed, tenth seed, and that's pretty dang awesome. good from where it's they possible. just got Derek Favors. We got they, the Pelicans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just the amount of bodies that they can throw at yeah. you is like goodness. They probably have more depth than they ever did with I mean, Anthony dude, Davis. They're a good team without Zion, almost. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, and so that I mean. What what David Griffin is doing down there to set up that team without putting all the pressure as most sought after rookies have to come into the league is just phenomenal. Stop it! Stop it! Now that we know that the Bulls, who just signed Luke Cornett today, which is their third oh, free agent. Oh, snap! They got Cornett! Yeah! Who? Ex-Nick. Is that Jordan's Ex-Nick. cousin? Ex-Nick. Maybe it's Jordan's cousin. Maybe uh, he's Patrick Ewing, reincarnated, coming to the ball. <laughs> hey, well, okay. 
<laughs> but based on the moves that they've made, including the draft and maybe a potential wing shooter being signed, based on how the East looks, over-under on the Bulls getting the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference. They won 22 games last year, right? Mm-hmm. Let me see how many games at the eighth seed. I think the eighth seed, I think Detroit was the eighth seed, right? They didn't get yes. like 40 games? Mm-hmm. So that means the ninth seed probably got like, what, 37 to 38? I'll look it up in a second. I say the under. I think the Bulls' high water mark is probably going to be 35 wins. I want to go over, but I, history tells me I have to go under. Like, I think the Bulls are going to be markedly better this year. I think they have a sound roster for a team that's a slightly above average, if that. And that means they're not where they should be. The Charlotte Hornets came in ninth this past season and they won 39 games the Bulls are not going to get 39 wins yeah I think that 35 at best I'd say 38 but that's still not enough wins yeah you have to go. they have to legit win 20 more almost 20 more games but again that's that's almost impossible see this is one thing the only caveat I give the Bulls is this what if they finally have a season where they're healthy true like that's the thing what if they have they a season where yeah players get nicked up but let's just say their key players basically only miss a week all right let's just say if they healthy right if they're healthy now we got to see but then we have a seat we have to see does laurie take that next step does zach take that next step does wendell carter maybe maybe bring you something that you really want to see now okay all right you're fine now can you play and can you win we don't even know that so you got to go to step one and step two first yeah so I don't know. And like I said before, I think if they had a good season and if they're healthy, I can probably see them maybe win another 10. A 10 game improvement going from 22 to 32, that's a good improvement in the NBA season. But to try to get to 30, 35 or 40, man, you gotta have signed Kevin Durant when he's healthy. It's gonna be way too hard. I'm taking it on it on that one, Ryan. I wonder if they can have maybe an Orlando Magic type bounce, being together, playing as a group. And I mean, the East, they're probably not going to be as strong at the top, but some of the teams in the middle have definitely improved. Like Miami is going to be a team that's much better than they They were a year ago. But there are some other teams like Charlotte. They're not going to be the ninth seed anymore. No, they're okay. probably going to Detroit should down. be a little bit harder if D Rose stays healthy. Yeah, Detroit's going to get better, right? You know, if they if they have health, they right. should be they should be around where they're at. But they should they should get a couple more games. I would think. Listen, the only team I think that could possibly shoot for a ninth seed, we'll see. I give I give some love to uh, Atlanta. They won twenty nine games. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can jump up and do a. Let's say the five to ten win that'll put them at thirty nine. I can see that, but right now, well, last year it was Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, Indiana, Brooklyn, Orlando, Detroit. That's probably going to be the playoffs once again in the East. Maybe shift it up a little bit. That's really it. Miami is not going to. Maybe Miami. Maybe Miami might might push. You got Jimmy there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he might push him up a little bit. You go from thirty nine wins. Let's see if they can try to fight for the AC. I guess that's possible, but. I can see the, the last eight seeds being the exact same eight seeds this upcoming season. Play. For reference, the Magic two years ago, they had 25 wins, and then last year ended with 42. Yeah. So maybe they can add about how 17 wins, and that would get them the ninth spot based on last year. How long How long had that core been together, though? It, I, I don't think it had been. Well, no, some of those players have been there. It but been I, there for a minute. But no, it was also some of the additions, I forget. Yeah, they signed some veteran yeah, players and brought them Yeah, because they got rid of Alfred Payton. And they got the coach, yeah. Steve Clifford, he that helped them, too. Yeah, so, no, it's a ch- I'll say this. You know what? There's a chance the Bulls, I will revisit this. There's a chance the Bulls can make it into the playoffs. Because one thing that we, we keep talking about, this is the thing. We keep talking about the Bulls' health. 
what if two of these other teams are snake bit? That's, right. that's true too. Yeah, yes, and yes, like yes. that's all yes. you and there. I mean, clearly someone's gonna get hurt. I mean, that's just how it goes. Somebody's gonna blow ACL. Unfortunately, how the last few years, someone's gonna break a leg. Like so, you can't necessarily say there's no chance. And you brought up Orlando. The Bulls team on paper is, I think, is better than Orlando's. I think so. I think they have more potential, a yeah. higher ceiling, yeah, for they, sure. They're more. I think they're better. They're more well-rounded, necessarily, than Orlando. If you ask me at Power Forward, would I prefer to have Aaron Gordon or Laurie? I'm probably still going to go with Laurie. You know, and Aaron Gordon is a better player. I kind of see right. that step up, man. I, I I'm going to go with. I'll, I'll probably go with Laurie. So I'm. I think there's a chance, but right now, going off of what the Bulls have consistently done, they haven't proven enough to think that they can do it. Yeah, I'll go with the under two. All right, I'm going to switch over into a little baseball. Our boy Brian Sandalo is going to join us to break down what's going on in the south side of Chicago. Dean Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man Jay Illa, official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the Dean Davis Show. Turn it up. Dean Davis Show right now. We have Brian Sandalo. You can check out his riding with the Sun Times. Fortunately for us, we're going to talk some south side baseball. Yeah, there you go. socks actually good enough that we we gotta give them a segment. Our favorite beloved socks are making us happy. Uh, this rebuild is is really starting to feel good, especially after the disappointment of hot stove failures. So listen, let me ask you real quick. Uh, I, we know it's not going to be Kopech Day, but what are some of the feelings around a team you believe with Dylan Cease coming up, especially with some of the woes that this prison staff has had throughout this season so far? Well, with Dylan Cease, it's just another sign that, as you said, that the rebuild is on pace, that, it, that it's coming. And it, that's, uh, that's a great thing to see. Um, obviously, uh, on Sunday, there was so much going on uh, with the All-Stars and everything and a rain delay. But the biggest story of the day, by far, in my opinion, was Dylan Cease. And that you could start to see the future rotation sort of crystallizing. Uh, you see Lucas Giolito becoming an all-star and becoming a dominant pitcher at that, then you know that Michael Kopech will probably be back next year. You think he'll be back next year. And then Dylan Cease, if he's what the Sox think he is, then there's your one, two, three moving forward. So Dylan Cease pitching tomorrow, throwing to James McCann is going to be another, you know, there's going to be another huge marker for the, the rebuild. And, and it's great. And it's a great thing for the White Sox. And as I kind of wrote in the paper for Monday, you know, it's, it means that there um, you want to see guys like Ojasan or Despagne or Irvin Santana a little bit less from now on, which is also good. Kim brought up Dylan Cease. Let me ask you this. Do you think the injuries uh, to the, to the White Sox farmhands, you have a lot of Tommy John injuries coming up. Do you think that kind of sped up the process of him getting caught up to the major league level? Well, I don't know. That's an interesting question, and uh, it's something I hadn't really thought of, but it's just strange how there's been such a rash of injuries. It seems like every other week there's a report of some family in the lap, but there's a report of another Sox farmhand you know, getting hurt, and it's something that I know Rick Hahn and the White Sox are evaluating, but it really has put a, a, a damper on the rebuild a little bit. Obviously, Michael Kopech, now granted that happened when he was in Chicago, but Dane Dunning and uh, Jimmy Lambert, among others, those are guys who have gotten hurt, and that's just the pitchers. Uh, I mean, when do we think we're going to see that? Uh, we're going to see Berger, Jake Berger. I mean, yes, obviously not an elbow injury, but injuries have really kind of been an issue for the rebuild in the minor league system. And the thing for me is that 
it shows why you've got to get as many prospects as possible because they're not all going to pan out. Some of them might not be good and some of them might get hurt. So if you have so many prospects, a few of them are going to hit and you can survive the rash of injuries, but it's been quite the rash of injuries. D, D and Davis on the line, right? Dean Davis on the line right now, Brian Sandelow. Uh, Brian, real quick, I want to talk about the injuries because that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Mm-hmm. When you look at the fact that in the past, the White Sox farm system, but Coop being our guy, the White Sox had the least amount of pitches on the IR. I mean, our, the, the IR. And when you look at it now, are they looking at this as being a system-wide problem that, they, that somehow perhaps something is taking place that whatever they're doing with either mechanics or rest and medicals needs to really be reevaluated because this rash amount of Tommy John surgeries. And and we know that this is, I won't say it's average, but players do have Tommy John surgeries, but this many, especially young prospects, even if we think about when you with Kopech, yeah, it happened up here, but he had only been up here for a short short amount of time. So if it was, if it was from wear and tear, it had to start. And again, we could say it it, it, back with Boston, but it had to be with here with our minors. When all these players are, are they looking in this evaluation on what perhaps they're doing to cause this outside of just freak luck? Well, I know that Rick Hahn is, is a forward thinking guy and he's always, trying to figure out what the stock can do better, what he can do better, and what the farm system can do better. And going back to Don Cooper, I think having a pitching coach who you know is going to be there, a long-term pitching coach, you know that you can get guys ready for him. Because that kind of speaks through the entire organization that it's the same system. It's been the same system for a while. Now, I wonder if it's just guys throw harder now. The human elbow is not quite caught up to how fast the shoulder is throwing pitches. Is that possible? Maybe. I don't know. Or you could just say statistically it's a regression to the mean. Because as you said, uh, it was a rare thing for stock pitchers, major and minor leaguers, to have Tommy John surgery. Um, now, obvious, now, there's been some recently. But, I mean, before the last couple of years, what, Gavin Floyd, right? In 2013 or 14 or something like that? It's not that it was not very common. So part of me thinks it's just the price of doing business in 2019 in baseball. And part of it is regression to the means that eventually you're going to have guys blow out and you just hope that they don't blow out again and that it doesn't affect them. But no, it is something I know the White Sox are looking into. They're doing their, I'm sure they're doing their due diligence on it. And it's just, it's it's just weird that you see one guy after another going down, and it, it's also unfortunate for the for the kids too, obviously for the prospects that you know. I think the Sox are going to survive; they'll be okay. As I said, they've got so much going in the farm system, but you just feel bad for the kids. Uh, like Dane Dunning felt like this could really have been a year where he makes a real jump, and now he's a year behind. So you feel bad for him, but you hope that those kids get get right and get going and. You think I, I think the stocks are, are have to be looking into why this is happening, but maybe it's just regression to the mean and doing and running a baseball team in 2019. Who knows? And then it goes along with your point, which was very good, is this is why you try to load up your farm system for situations like this. And usually it's because players don't pan out, not that you lose a lot of them from a similar injury. Uh, The question that I asked you before was uh, about Lucas Giolito and about how in the past – 
my co-host has been down on him. <laughs> but And I have. I've crushed him. But this year, even when he was starting to come around, our executive producer, Ryan, would be like, hey, he's coming on. And I would still be apprehensive until I finally came around. And I'm to the point now, without injury, I think he can be a front-of-the-line starter. And it, it made me feel good, even though his performances weren't, weren't top-notch. But to see him get roughed up a little bit against elite teams and kind of figure it out and also play well, like we would necessarily against the Yanks. But so far through this season with the ups and downs really just a little bit of downs because he has the best record in the MLB how can we count on Lucas Giolito fully and where are you at when it comes to Lucas Giolito not just this season but moving forward I mean I don't know if I expect him to be Justin Verlander part two moving forward the rest of the way I mean but he's start but he's looking like Justin Verlander right now and then your question obviously is what you can expect from him moving forward well, here's the thing about Giolito that I like so much is that he's got the mindset for it. A lot of these guys have the arm for it. If you're a major leaguer, if you're a top prospect, you have the arm. It's whether you have the mind for it to be able to bounce back from um, from setbacks and have the mind to be able to think through a season. Lucas Giolito has the mind to be able to work through a season. And that is something that I, I, I've been encouraged by. I remember a start against Toronto. I think it was in May, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been early June. I think it was May. He knew the rain was coming at, at around the top of the fifth. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to work this inning as quickly as possible, make this an official game. And he did it. And he, he knew when he had to change his game, he had to raise his game. And that little, that, that one instance showed me that this guy's got a real good head on his shoulders. And combine that with the stuff, and you're seeing a top-notch pitcher. Now, is he a perennial Cy Young candidate? I don't know about that, but he's certainly a Cy Young candidate right now. D and Davis show on the line with us right now, Brian and Sandalo. Make sure you follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Sandalo. Uh, James McCain, what do you think is okay. his uh, future with the Sox? All right. Well, James McCain, you've got to resign him, right? I, I mean, the Sox have to. Uh, I don't know if uh, Zebby Zavala is going to be able to hit long term. I don't know if Zach Collins is ready to be a full uh, everyday catcher, right? Um, I, I mean, he's got he's going to have the bat. I'm not sure he can hit. I know I'm not sure he can catch, but the problem for me, um, you, you can't not bring back James McCann. You have to now. He's going to regress a little bit. I think his batting average on balls and play is around 390 or something. Uh, so you know he's going to regress a little bit. But the way he handles that staff, the way he handles Lucas Giolito, I mean, right there, that's worth that's worth his salary right there. That he's been a, he's been a part of bringing out the best. And Lucas Giolito, right there, worth it. Bring him back. And he doesn't have, uh, moving forward, he doesn't have to be one of their offensive stars. Moving forward, he can be a good, solid defensive catcher who knows how to handle his staff. And it turns out maybe he can add a little bit more. But, yeah, they have to bring him back. He would be a tough blow, I think, to that locker room if they trade him uh, before the deadline. I think they do have to re-sign him. You don't have to go crazy with it. But he he can certainly be a part of this moving forward. Ronaldo Lopez has not have a great had a great season so far, and was kind of kind of going to say a tailspin uh, with last year. What does he need to do to get it to get the ship right for himself? Well, you know the the Ronaldo Lopez thing is weird because he's got good stuff. He ended last season so well. I thought going into the season this season 
if there was a pitcher from that uh, th- that Nationals trade that I was confident in for the White Sox, it was going to be Reynaldo Lopez. And uh, I believe uh, his start just he was supposed to start tonight, uh, Tuesday night, and it was just rained out, so he has a little bit more time to uh, to think about things for his next start. But um, I, that's the one that perplexes me because he's got such a live arm. He's a good athlete, and he showed that he can get he can pitch well at the end of a season last year. I felt like that was a great indicator, but his stuff hasn't been as sharp. His command hasn't been as sharp, and he's been in the strike zone. When he's been in the strike zone, he's been hit around. None of that is encouraging, so I'm not penciling him in as a future part of the rotation. I'm sure they're going to give him a chance next season, but if they're expecting to contend in 2020, which I think they are, that leash is going to be pretty short for him. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like from then, real quick, when looking at that Nationals trade, one of the worst things was like, okay, Jay Little sucks, and the second pitcher is the better pitcher. And for it, I won't even say it was a flip because even with Lopez playing last year, he wasn't as good as Jay Little as this year. But I thought going into this year, at least you could have a two or three in Ronaldo Lopez, and just to see how it's falling apart and his lack of command. That's even with James McCann, who seems to calm down everybody, being the backstop. So that definitely has been disappointing so far, to say the least. But let me ask you something on a positive note. For a team that's below 500 and 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 it necessarily isn't making supreme noise in the division, even though they definitely did a little business against the Twins, how happy should the Sox be to have three players uh, as reserves to the All-Star game? Because, I mean, usually if you're not a team with, with budding stars or making a lot of noise, you, you know, you get your one. But for them to get three, it seems like – perhaps around the league, people are taking notice to what's taking place on the south side of Chicago. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a very good sign. And the, for me, the encouraging thing isn't just that they had three all-stars. It's that you could have made an argument for three more guys. Obviously, uh, Alex Colomay, uh, I think, what, 18 of 19 for saves. Uh, obviously, a huge decision for Colomay coming, the White Sox have to make on him by July 31st. But there's a guy that could have been a candidate. Tim Anderson, before he got hurt, an all-star on the field and a, a hugely important part of baseball and the White Sox off the field. He had a case as an all-star, too. And then after the game Sunday, uh, Jose Abreu was campaigning pretty hard for Yoan Moncada. And if you look at his numbers at third base, Abreu had a pretty good point. So you have – it's one thing to have three all-stars. But for one of them to be Lucas Giolito, that's encouraging. And then the two more of the, of the young pieces had a real good case and didn't make it. That's the really strong part. Now, McCann being an all-star is, a, I think, a bonus, to be honest. I'm sure they weren't expecting James McCann to be one of the best catchers in the American League. You know what you're getting with Jose Abreu. But to see Moncada and Anderson and, and of course, Giolito take a step forward, that's where the huge positives they are. And the fact that they have a decent record because of the young kids as much as anything else, that's why this matters. If they had loaded up on veterans who were carrying this team, would feel like a hollow, empty calories, decent start. That's not what this is. This is carried by Lucas Giolito, Yoan Moncada, Tim Anderson, with, with a cavalry coming. That's all very good signs for the Sox. 
D and Davis show on the line. You just heard him. That is Brandon Sandalo from the Sun-Times. Brandon, I want to ask you about column A because I think the Sox are in a predicament. As you just said, next year, they really want to be contending, even though I think they should be making noise. I think contention could be a little hard. But how, when you're in a situation where you may have a closer and you, you don't have a good team, even though your team is growing, and I guess getting rid of the closer would be bad because even with a bad pitching staff, if you have someone who can lock down the back end of the game, even though you, you need your other uh, relief guys to be in there and get it to them. But when you're still kind of in talent acquisition mode, should the Sox deal him if they're offered a premium prospect or close to a premium prospect? Should they deal him? Or if they think next year is the year and how hard it is to find a good closer, should they hold on to him and move forward as he's our back end guy until either he flames out or we can have something better and we can move him going forward? Well, I'm going to have to talk myself through this as I answer the question because I don't know, to be honest. Now, it, it, it all depends, in my opinion, it depends on how, whether Rick Hahn thinks he can find another closer for next season and how he views the position. If Rick Hahn views the position like a lot of the like a lot of people who do the advanced statistics, sabermetrics, that if a guy's good in the eighth, he'll be good in the ninth then he may not decide to keep Kami because, you know, I can replace him elsewhere. But if you're, if, you're, if you're not of that point of view, that you think that being a closer is different, then you might have to hold on to Kami because he's got a year and a half left. You've got to do a real benefit cause you've got to do a real benefits analysis, I guess, cost-benefit analysis, I guess, would the word be. Because you don't know whether you can get a guy as good as Colome. And you also have to figure out whether Colome will be as good next year. It is an incredibly difficult decision for Rick Hahn. It's not the biggest decision he's made uh, as the general manager of the White Sox, obviously. But it's a very interesting one. It'll be interesting to see what he does and then how he explains it. Because for me, that's the biggest question. Uh, I think Jose Abreu will be here through the deadline. I think he's going to be here for the duration of his career. That, I, that's just my feeling. I don't think McCann's going anywhere. But Colome is the real question, and I'm going to be fascinated to see how the Sox play it. And right now, if you told me to guess which way the Sox are going, I'd tell you, ask somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Brian, can uh, White Sox fans expect to see any more call-ups this, uh, this season? Uh, I don't know. I mean, right now, I mean, who's the biggest prospect left in the system right now that could be coming up? Like, I mean, obviously, Luis Robert, but he's still in double-A, right? So you don't want to rush the guy. Let him, you know, let him, not to use a Cubs phrase, you know, but let him dominate each level. You, no need to rush Robert right now. Um if you don't think you're in contention, then don't. I, I mean, I know he's he's not on the service time clock because he's the, the contract he signed, but let him dominate. Don't rush him. There's going to be time. Uh, let him get good at AAA, and if, if that comes by the end of this season, then great. Bring him up, but no rush. Now, Nick Madrigal, he's moving pretty fast. Uh, Madrigal was just named uh, the, one of the co-minor league players of the month. Uh, will he be up by the end of the season? Possibly. But even if that doesn't come again the rest of the year, there's still a few more prospects for White Sox fans to look forward to. And that's not even counting the return of uh, flamethrowing Michael Kopech. But at this time next year, the conversation for the Sox shouldn't be about, oh, man, which prospect coming up? It's 
you know, it's, it should be the playoff race next year. But right now, it should be fun talking about the prospects. But they're pretty close to the point now where it's time to start winning. Now, with the White Sox having a rebound year and having, you know, giving a little um, some good feelings on the South Side with the South Side fans, and the Cubbies are not having the best season maybe for the Cubs fans. Now, it's it, not saying anything equal and they leveled out, but does it give a little, does it give you a little bit more excitement when it comes to the Cross Sound Classic heading over to the South Side now? Because you have two teams that can now can can really battle each other you don't have that big brother little brother uh scenario because the cubs have been so dominant the past couple of years right and frankly uh for the cubs they need these games because they're not playing so well the cubs need these games regardless of whether it's a rivalry whether it's the white Sox, the dodgers the marlins the baltimore orioles uh wichita state whoever it doesn't matter uh the, the, the cubs need these games and that's good it's going to be fun to see these games as competitive again. I mean, they were a blast in 2008 when the both teams were in the playoffs. They were a blast the year after when both teams were competitive. And these games were fun. They were they were fun in 2016. I know the stocks had started to rock and, and kind of tank by the time that it happened. But when both teams are good, those games are a blast. And they're... I feel like whenever someone says, oh, they need to cut interleague play because these interleague games are bad. But when these games are good, that's a great argument for it. And and these games this weekend, Sox, Sox Park is going to be full this weekend. The attendance, by the way, there has perked up a little bit. There's going to be a bit of a pulse there, and it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to observe. I won't be there, but it'll be fun. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fun for everybody who will be there. Brian, let me get you out of here on this one. It's a future Sox question. Uh, last okay. year, they went after Manny Machado. Uh, this year, and that was before you knew that some of your everyday players, and we know how bad the Sox have been uh, prospect-wise with everyday players, not pitching, but when it comes to everyday players, it hasn't been one of their strong suits. But looking at this now, and it seems like the guys that they've picked from other franchises are really turning out well. This offseason, with the money that they still have, should the Sox go after pitching with the injuries that took place with the guys that Kopech and the rest of the guys that are down bottom in Collars will don? Or should they go with a, a, a semi-big name or a big name everyday player? What do you think the Sox should do with their cash in this offseason? Why not do both? I, I know that's that's a strange question, but why not do both? And whoever and, and the free agents that you look at that could be fit to for me, obviously, Houston's Garrett Cole, that's obvious. Now, that that would be a guy you could plug into the top of the rotation who would go real nicely with Kopech, Giolito, Cease, and then you don't have to depend as much on Reynaldo Lopez or Carlos Rodon. Uh, you, put, you put Garrett Cole at the top of that rotation. He's got, he's got all the experience in the world. He's pitched in big games. He's pitched in the American League. There's a nice fit. Now, Another thing you could think about is Anthony Rendon, the Nationals infielder. Fitting him in, that would be challenging because obviously third base is settled, shortstop is settled, second base is settled. And you figure if Zach Collins isn't the catcher long-term, DH and first base of Abreu could be settled. But Rendon's bat is unique. Rendon's bat could really fit in another veteran presence in that lineup. If I'm the Sox, I'm putting out feelers for both of those guys. And if I get if I get Rendon, I figure out a way to make it work. 
I think that you could think maybe put, I, I don't know, this is just spitball in the air, find a way to get Moncada into the outfield. I don't know, maybe. But Garrett Cole to me is the guy they got to target. Uh, that's, the, that's the guy at the top of the rotation. I know that some are saying Madison Bumgarner. I don't know. He looks like he's uh, he could be getting closing in on the end. Uh, I want the guy I put my money towards Garrett Cole. Yeah, Mad Bum is done. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for hopping on with us, man. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And that was Brian Sandalow of the Chicago Sun-Times. Make sure you follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Sandalow. Uh, great articles when it comes to Chicago White Sox. We're going to go ahead and close up the shop right here. The and David Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and David Show. D and David Show. Definitely thank to Brian Sandalow for joining us. Uh, we want to get a little bit into, I guess this is football discussion, but it's definitely off the field. Uh, come to find out today, Wall Street Journal, I know, was one of the first places to report it, that Nike actually got rid of an idea that they were going to put out for this uh, 4th of July, I believe. Some uh, Betsy Ross, if you can remember the old colony flag. Uh, some Betsy, a Betsy Ross pair. If anybody's ever seen the uh, Puerto Rican Day Air One, uh, Air Force Ones, mm-hmm. something reminiscent of that with the American flag. That's that circle flag with all, with circle is where the stars are. The thirteen, 13 stars. Colonies. Thirteen stars for the thirteen. And real colonies. quick, real quick, there wasn't an idea. Some of the shoes were already in the stores. They pulled them out. Okay, so I would think so if it was mm-hmm. supposed to be for the fourth. Mm-hmm. So uh, Colin Kaepernick contacted them and Tom Tuttenike and said that him and some others felt that they shouldn't have a a flag that was for him a representation of slavery because slavery was definitely popping. So what's the why why are you sitting there and giving props to it? So you've had like all types of people. I think I saw um, what's what's the name Um, that's always getting lambasted by Trump. That uh, he was talking about his father, which was like from Canada. So what's uh, Ted Cruz? Thank you. I saw Ted Cruz talk about how he's no longer wearing Nikes, which is like, oh no, <laughs> you wear Nikes now? Not you, you, especially the ones the ones you get are the, the damn uh, merchandise mart Nike. So Nike's been sold. Merchandise those. mart Nike. Yeah, like <laughs> the service merchandise. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, like you getting your Nikes out of a bin. All right, so Nike's not worried about Ooh, that. Ooh, two for twenty. Exactly. Ooh, honey, you can get. Pet too. So you had, I saw I saw the governor of Arizona said that they're pulling money that they were going to use to bring Nike uh, down into Arizona or expand Nike in Arizona jobs and stuff of that nature. And uh, I mean, I found it laughable. Uh, I, I could uh, I could see it from both sides, to be honest with you. Someone being like, why does it have to be about that? But when push comes to shove and it's just the truth. America, America hasn't even faced racism yet. You, can, you you know how you know America hasn't faced racism because you have a silly ass puddle face. Uh, what's what's the name? Um, speaker of uh, the Senate, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Yeah, you have Mitch McConnell. What did you call him? Puddle face because he has no structure in his face. Mm, that's a new one. His, that's a good one. His yeah. face looks like a his, his face is shaped like a bag of water when you hold it. Right? Damn, it's like melting clay. Yeah, there's no there's no stress. Like, is there structure under that bad boy? Well, this podcast will not be doing well in Kentucky. Oh well, but you have McConnell, <laughs> and and when he came out and said that reparations were paid because a half black was in the White House, let you know we have not faced racism head on here in America yet, right? So when you have silly comments like that, it already lets you know that people are tone deaf to how others feel. So, and then going to Colin's point, yeah, it, like when are we, if we're going to be like, 
we're going to let go of some of this BS, just like the young, the, well, she's not a young lady, the, 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 the lady that was, was prominent singing the national anthem, anthem that the Philadelphia Fires had to pull down the statue. They oh, had yeah. The Yanks had to take out down the record. Like, people were upset about that. And I no, you don't have to be upset about that. It, it, like, that, that person finally got got for stuff that she did that she shouldn't have done. So, I think people have to be open-minded. Can this go too far? Perhaps, but who cares? Was it going too far when you was giving them effers lashes for f- for the free? Very true. All right. So, like, when when is that? Like, and there was no payback. We love y'all. Clearly, you see that because there was no insurrection whatsoever, right? So, like, w- come on. So, so again, I can see why people would be upset, but again, those people just need to pay attention or just be open minded. And there are going to be things that all of us disagree with from other uh, people in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, but you you may disagree with something, but you can still know that it's right even though you disagree with it, you know? So that's something that I think people need to be mindful of. I think all of us go through, are in this world right now, looking at the changes that are going through it and being like, huh, okay. And if they're to the benefit of someone, even if it's not something that you're like, yeah, that's what's up. As long as it's to the benefit of someone that's not hurting anybody, man, I'm, I'm rocking with it. Okay, so from the political side of things, uh, Arizona, I believe, has a Republican governor, right? Of course. No, I think they have Democratic after this last. Oh, le- was that Senate? I don't know, the Senate? Yeah. Okay, so the, Senate, Senate. the senator. Yes, Republican. the new senator is uh, is a Democrat. Uh, but Ryan, if you can, if you don't mind, just just make sure that I'm I'm right I'm right about that. Uh, but oh, the, he, he he is a Republican. Okay. So well, the one the one big the biggest thing uh, that Republicans talk about is how they want like limited government. Okay, and also too they want. They don't want government. Uh, they don't want uh, the government picking lo- winners and losers when it comes to business and things like that, right? So my big, my old thing is, why are you giving? I think it was they were they was going to give a million dollars to Nike to get some to get something down in, in Arizona. So he turns around and say like, you know what? No, we're going to rescind that money because you disrespect an American flag. Why are you giving money? Why are you giving a million dollars or however million dollars it is to a a billion dollar company. They don't need a number one. Not that fiscally conservative. Not that fiscally conservative. Exactly. Thank you, Ken. Why are you giving the money anyway, taxpayer money anyway, to a billion dollar company? That's number one. Number two, could you imagine if another group, let's just say, I'm just trying to think of an example because I know the, the, I don't want to go the whole thing with like Hitler and swastikas and if they were to put them on the shoes or anything like that. That's in the news too. And that's always in the news. No, but I'm trying to think of a group. Just say a group came out was like, man, that's very disrespectful that that's on apparel. We don't want you to put that on there. I would think people would be like, okay, I understand. That's cool. It seems as if Americans, some Americans, can't pull away. Okay, that flag, if I saw that flag, I'd be like, oh, bleep, I need to go the other way. Why can't I express that? Number one. Number two, why, to your point, Ken, why can't we get past this? Why are we putting that on the shoe? Actually, it's against the flag code. You shouldn't be putting, shouldn't be putting flags on clothing as it is. That's the that's a whole that's really against the code of the flag. And so you're talking about taking a knee, which has nothing to do with it. You're putting it on the clothes. That's a whole other argument. But why can't I come out and say, like, hey guys, listen to this is the history of this. Also, too, it's being used by alt-right-wing 
racist groups as a flag to like represent them. Hey guys, that's not something you might not want to do. People have to pull people have to realize just because it's American doesn't mean that is good. It's a lot of things that Americans did in the past and even the symbols that that were for the country. That's not cool. We have to get beyond that. Nobody, at least with a sense of history, is going to look at that shoe and be like, huh, that's pretty cool. And while we're being Black Panthers, shout out to whoever tweeted that about us when we was on the score one time. While we're being Black Panthers, okay. let me say this. I find it funny that people want to say, listen, I'm not paying anything. I have nothing to do with that. But yet want to say, I'm proud to be American when we're talking about a flag. Can't have it both ways. If I'm I'm proud of what we did in the past is my thing, then you have to ride with then what 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 happened in the past, in the past. you're accountable for. Yeah. Like it, you you can't be like, no, nah, that's what I'm about. And oh no, when that check comes, like, I didn't eat nothing at this restaurant. How many how many people do you all think actually <laughs> knew the History behind the flag, or what's be what is being used for now? Do you think? It, do you I don't think, think most people knew what the thirteen stars meant. Basically, yeah, so now you look at it, it's kind of like you have a lot of people with a knee jerk reaction, but it's like okay, y'all listen, listen to what's going on. Here's the history of it. This is why it's not your the best PC idea. media. Gotcha media. <laughs> yeah. And last time, uh, Colin Kaepernick did something with Nike, and he was like, "Hey, that wasn't a good idea." Uh, or was it with the commercial of his? Their stock went up like crazy. So I want to be. Go- I want to be going to get another bounce for this one. I don't know. It's a question. I mean, and remember this: Nike is worldwide. Yeah. And around the world, people aren't pleasantly smiling at us right now. So when Nike's like, "Yeah, that crazy ish is going on in America. We ain't with it." All their customers look. They may lose a few customers here. Maybe like how many diehard young people that spend money on premium Nikes let their political views detract them, detach them rather from being people that can that buy Nike shoes. Mm-hmm. Not them. If you're a hardcore Nike person like that, what are you gonna get? Some Reeboks? <laughs> <laughs> some Under Armors? Man, let me get them. They know there's some crazies though that are doing. Saying, that. Like, man, I'll like, be happy to go to Reebok. <laughs> but this is another thing too. I saw on Twitter the the governor of New Mexico hit up Nike like, "Hey, come holler at us." All they gonna do is go to another state. Arizona, you're not a country. You're a state. Someone else is gonna pick up that those whatever jobs or reason whatever was gonna be in New, uh, Arizona. It's just gonna go somewhere else. All because you mad because the black folks is like, hmm, that thirteen colonies they ain't rock with us like that. We might want, might not want to do that. Listen, a, a prominent man once said in the song, when I get to Arizona, <laughs> they've been racist for a long time. The King Holiday and thanks for back in the day. Shout out to Chuck D, a there public enemy. But still, man, like miss me with miss me with all these feelings, especially without that bread. Listen, I'll tell you this. Y'all can start and I'm not to say you get it back. Y'all can start complaining about some of this stuff. If y'all break that bread off, Ryan. Cause Not then it's you. like I, I did I, my part. I'm I not complaining. I won't go that far. No, I'm, look, I didn't say we, it still will be okay. Of course you're not. I mean, you know I'm playing with you when I do. This. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying that whenever, like for instance, if if Mitch McConnell's like, I don't think America. I think America's done with uh, with, with racism because we paid y'all. I mean, we could still point out. <laughs> 
We can still what point. Do? He gave can, him a check. Yeah, we can still point out injustices, but he got a decent. He got a half a point right there, right? Because I mean, I, again, it wouldn't just start off. It's over after the payment. It's the the, the, the changes in the system. We're looking at the prison industrial complex, so on and so mm. forth, that can be legislated and actually applied uh, statewide, and not just federal wide. Because we know statewide people can sit there and do some tracaner roof stuff, also. So, I'm, of course, you know that those things will have to be in place. But I am saying this. If you want to get some of this off your back and be like, man, I, I did my part, especially for especially white people in today's America that are like, I had nothing to do with that. You you can double down. I'm like, I had nothing to do with that, do with that and I paid your ass. I'd be like, yeah, you, you, you damn right about right, right there. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that land, buddy. But, you know, we hate to get off all political on Dan Davis. This is more of a flip topic. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoy this topic, check out Dan Davis to flip. Even if you don't like it, Check out Dan Davis to flip because maybe us button heads can get to some type of resolution. We're open minded. Yes, yes. We want to hear differences of opinion as long as we're both being open minded when we're discussing them. So make sure you check out Dan Davis to flip. And also, also, we haven't talked about it enough. With this 4th of July, that night, really, it's the 5th from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. We will be guest hosting for Les Grobstein on 670 to score again. Shout out to Mitch. Shout out to Shane. Shout out to all the producers and all the hosts who have always been fantastic to us. Um, so we look forward to you joining us a little bit. Uh, give us your time. Hang out with us because it should be definitely a great time. All right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Download the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. Also through War on Anchor that hits you up, that gets you to Spotify with us. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show as well. I'm on Twitter at Demos One. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis. And Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. We want to thank Brian Sandalo for joining us. Definitely have to have him on more often, especially since we're talking those White Sox. And the White oh, Sox, White Sox! White Sox are doing better. White I don't Sox. even want to talk Cubs anymore. <sighs> when they get better. If we can get a year where both of them are pumping. It's, going to, it's getting close. It's, it's getting, getting, getting close. But see, that's the question, and we'll talk about this more on the score uh, the, the Friday morning, that what do the Cubs need to do to reinvigorate this window? All right, because I always I'm always steady Eddie when it comes to the Cubs, but it's getting to the point that perhaps you need to flip something. You need to because and and it, it probably needs to be something with his offense. All right, so make sure y'all, as Ken said, we would talk about that or maybe on the score. So definitely, uh, we again want to thank Brian. Make sure you check out his writings in the Sun Times, um, and definitely we're going to be back here for Dean Davis to flip and also Dean Davis to show next week. Don't do anything stupid before you hear from us. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs>